What's up, everyone? April 16th, 2019. Welcome into Washington Football Crunch. I am Micah Chen of Cascadia Preps, and joining me as always is Luke Monger of Dogman and Jackson Garner of Coog Fan. Jackson, you are in the home stretch of WSU spring ball coverage. And at this point, this how, how could you not be, you know, counting down the days to this very eventful weekend that you got coming up here? Yeah, it's going to be a good weekend. So just for those who are not aware of what's going on this weekend, uh, Friday, which will be a um, it's a golfing event. And, and basically what it is, is you you buy a, and we've talked. I think we've talked about this on the show. We have. We, we talked about we it, talked but about it only briefly. because of the ridiculous price point that you may well, harp on. It, well, <laughs> it's not the ridiculous price point is because you're donating to the Cougar Athletic Fund. It's not like you're, pe- you know, it's it's a donation is what it is, and then you get to golf with a, a Cougar quarterback. So basically, you pay for a foursome with for a price of twenty five hundred dollars, and you get a golf with a Cougar quarterback. So that could range from anywhere from Connor Holiday to like Ryan Leaf, um, Drew Bledsoe, yeah, Drew Bledsoe, Gar- Mark Minshew. Mark Ripian, uh, Gardner Minshew. I mean, there's going to be a ton, uh, and I mean, even even lesser known guys like uh, Matt. Was it Matt Keegler? Yeah, Matt Keegler, who led the led the um, Cougs to a ten win season and a Holiday Bowl in 2003. Um, so there's a lot of of names that are going to be there, and then I'll be covering that. And then Saturday, of course, is the Crimson and Gray game. So well, you, you, you know, should also mention well. on Thursday, uh, there's like this Kook first Thursday, show. Thursday, like Kook first, yeah, event. yeah. That's going to be in Spokane. I won't be there's there There's a lot that. of people. That, there will be a lot of people for that, though, if but you're yeah, a WSU football uh, guy. And James Williams, uh, Chima, uh, I can't even pronounce his last name. Um, <laughs> he was the rush end. Or he's the rush linebacker for the Cougs. Uh, a a, a a wusu on it's it's long and difficult but uh forgive me for that and then i can't remember who the third will be but they're also they're all be manning the coog fan uh booth so that should be a good mm-hmm. time i know in seattle it was peyton pluer james williams and then hunter dale who are all manning the coog fan booth which is nice that players will actually you know support a media outlet you know you don't really see that it's it, it, it's probably a, um, a thank you for all the coverage that you, all the good coverage you gave them over uh, the last five, I, six years. I wouldn't be surprised if they're getting a little develop a relationship. Oh, <laughs> yeah, because they're not they're not college. Yeah, they're not college. Anymore. Yeah, they got to make a little money. I, you know, I think that know, I, we, I, I don't know that, but I wouldn't be surprised. I think what we need to plug the most this upcoming, you know, Cougar football weekend outside of the Crimson and Gray game is that um, on the day where the golf event takes place before. You know, they start, you can actually meet all the Cougar football quarterbacks. So, yeah. I mean, I think there's going to be like 40 quarterbacks in total there. Not not that many, but if you include the current guys, I mean, you're definitely more than 25. And uh, so if you want to take a picture with Drew Bledsoe and John Bledsoe, you can do that. Um, if you want to meet this kid from Philadelphia, Aaron Angelos, and ask him how the hell he ended up in Pullman, uh, he'll be there. And I'm sure nobody will be talking to him. So you yeah. can definitely reach out to all seven quarterbacks came on Cooper, all your favorites, and as well as the legends. So, and that starts at 10, 10.30 a.m. So if, you, if you're not going to stick around for the golfing part of it, you don't have $2,500 to golf with the quarterbacks. You can also, uh, you can also just meet them beforehand. Mm-hmm. Correct. This is true. Definitely worth checking out. And with spring ball happening right now, there are certain things that you know, college football fans hear over and over again. This includes... Man, we are out here competing. Guys are competing. I just come out every day and compete. We're always looking to improve every day. We're still early in the process. Guys are looking good and guys aren't looking good. Those are all like cliches that you hear from spring ball because nobody wants to give, you know, nobody wants to show their, their card. You know, nobody wants to say what's really on their mind. But there's one cliche from spring ball that really does resonate with me. And that's the idea of finding new team leaders. Every year seniors leave and new players have to step up. I think that's why we love college football so much is because of that turnover and seeing new faces and seeing guys excited to be in the spotlight. But team leaders, like at this point in the season with everybody competing, there can be some conflict with that. Like, let me give you an example. Kamon Cooper, he wants to organize a quarterback meeting, you know, a leadership move. And and just so so everyone's clear, this is a... 
obviously a hypothetical situation. Did I say okay. that this actually would ha- could happen? No, I said no. I said like, let, let me just let's, give you. I'm let just saying let's let's be clear that, right, that this right. is a hypothetical. Yeah, situation. yeah. Kmart Cooper is not or yeah. I'm just saying that because he's a freshman. And there's, you know, fifth-year seniors in the room, Gage Grouper, it's like 24 or 25 now. I mean, there's certain ways to be a leader that's appropriate. But, Luke, I want to get your thoughts mm-hmm. on, with the UW program, like, what are some traits that constitute a true leader in that locker room? Like, obviously, it's really hard to kind of address what it means to be a leader uh, without getting super cliche. But I think it was really interesting to hear... Uh, Coach Peterson point out a couple weeks ago that a lot of it doesn't have to do with kind of what you put on the field. Like obviously you'd yeah. like to have your leader be one of your most productive players um, because it makes sense to like f- for the younger guys to look up to someone who's I don't know rushing for a thousand yards a year. You know that like, that's an easy person to look up to. But a lot of times Coach Peterson was uh, saying that it'll come from guys who don't necessarily see a lot of playing time on the field or aren't necessarily racking up stats. Um, but I, it's kind of the the kind of people who like exude the energy, like eat, sleep, breathe football, those sorts of cliches, uh, like the kind of guys uh, that I don't know. I mean, I think th- there's a certain level of like extroversion in a way that is required of a leader, like someone who can go and kind of call on his fellow uh, position mates or people on his side of the ball and maybe hold them to a bit higher yeah. of a standard. Like it's got to be someone who, who is bold in that. And, and this is interesting. And obviously I'm going to preface this by saying that this doesn't mean that this specific guy isn't a leader. Um, but when he went into the example of your best players, aren't always your best leaders. Someone asked him about miles Bryant being a leader in the defensive back room, uh, because he's the only person with more than two starts in the defensive backfield on the team. Definitely. Yeah. You you know, and like miles Bryant is a pretty quiet guy. And like, I think he he could probably lead by example in the way that he goes after his stuff, but he doesn't necessarily strike many people as the type of person that's going out and being like, all right, like let's all get together Mm -hmm. after practice and spend an extra two hours in the film room, blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? I think mm-hmm. that's but he, there's a certain yeah. level of respect. I mean, there's not, not sure, a certain level. Sure. There's a huge amount of respect for Miles Bryant, and to me, oh, yeah. that's as good of a sign of leadership as anything else. Just having the respect of the locker room. Yeah, I mean, that carries as much weight as any rah rah. You, you know what? It's not the guy that says, "Hey, as the leader of the defensive back group, I say that we need to start watching more film." Mm-hmm. That guy is not the leader. The leader is somebody that is anointed through. Just eyeballs, you know, eyeballs on him mm-hmm. and w- mm-hmm. want to t- talk to him more. Well, not also not necessarily eyeballs. And, and yes, you can be a, a quiet and silent leader just by what you do day in and day out. Mm-hmm. But I think if you're talking about more of like a classic leader, like who's that? Who's going to be that that guy who who squashes a beef in the locker room or something like that? Kind of that like very yeah. cliche, yeah, general idea of leader. <laughs> it comes down to having exceptional social skills and being a great communicator. And yeah. and when I think of, of leaders and, and the immediate history of WSU, I, I also think of Peyton Pluer and Nick Begg. Those two guys mm-hmm. had exceptional social skills. They could connect with a wide range of people because when you have 105 guys in the same locker room, you get different personalities. You, you have people who just Conflicts. operate differently and being someone who can communicate with other people, who doesn't need to be around someone who is of a similar mindset, that that really helps in being in being a leader. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, yeah. J- just kind of offering now some UW insight on it. W- when I think of sort of those qualities, one person that comes to mind right away is Levi Onzerike. Uh He's been mm-hmm. singled out by... Uh, was it is either Coach Kwiatkowski or Coach Malloy? I can't remember, but he he's a guy that, for example, um, is like you can just tell by the way that he interviews a, a very excellent communicator, and he's one that gets it done. Uh, he's like been I think first team all academic Pac-12 every year since he's come to UW. I, I think those are kind of the cliche things that once again you look at. And he's an example of a guy that's easy to look up to because he gets a lot of playing time. But for me, and I don't know why, but I just have. <laughs> Th- this feeling that Kyler Manu is another presence on the defense. Interesting. That I, think yeah. I would see. I would have thought because you know we're talking about replacing Ben Beer Curvin, which I believe was a leader on that defense last mm-hmm. year. I mean, he he seemed to be the heart and soul of For that sure. defense. And and you know you're talking about replacing a guy of his ability. And I think to go to guy because he just has that name power is Brandon Wellington. Yeah. I mean, I think he went to Bellevue or Eastside Catholic or something like big local. 
Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think Brandon Wellington is definitely the guy productivity-wise that will replace Ben Brickerfin. That's not saying that he'll have 150 tackles, but he, he'll be the on-the-field replacement for Ben Brickerfin in terms of being that kind of role for the Huskies. Um, Production-wise, okay. Yeah, and I also think, like, Ben Brickerfin, and, and this is another thing that Coach Peterson was saying, was, like, th- there are certain elements of leadership that people just have and that people just don't have. Um, I, I think there are different types of leaders as well. Like Ben Brickhaven is a very emotional person. Like you can tell that he plays with a lot of emotion and passion. Um, but, and like, obviously he's a smart person, but he didn't necessarily seem like he loved talking a ton. You know what I mean? Okay. Brandon okay, Wellington yeah. kind of strikes me similarly. You, you know what I mean? Interesting. Yeah. Tyler Manu, on the other hand, for whatever reason, just from the, the brief interview opportunities we've had with him and just kind of the way that I, I've seen other people that have either, like been a manager on the team or have walked on the team in the past have talked about him. He strikes me as kind of the guy that's like Jackson said, kind of like the locker room glue that doesn't get much glory come Saturdays or at least hasn't to this point in his career. Mm -hmm. You can't always expect the coaches to kind of control the hierarchy of the locker room. And that comes, I think that's any group of people, whether it's a workplace or a a classroom and obviously on the football and on the football roster, uh, there has to be guys that are going to be able to have one-on-one conversations and be able to help people and, and not seem condescending and at the same time and uh, in, in, in increasing their ability on the football field. And, you know, Jackson, I think Payne Pooler really fit that profile. And, we're, you know, we're trying to figure out, like, who's going to replace uh, these, you know, UWC football teams um, as that leader type. I mean, is there somebody in the middle, like like Jihad Woods or yeah, um, Justin well, Rogers no, I mean, or somebody that Jihad, can be So Jihad like Woods has been... T- at the at the will linebacker position so he seems like he's gonna stay there i mean if you you'd think if they were gonna make try and see what he looks like at mike that would have happened by now this late in the spring i mean it's not even just the position itself i mean just being a linebacker but no and i think i think in general uh the linebacker position should not be an area of concern for for anyone who cares about cougar football you know Dylan Sherman, who didn't get talked about a lot and kind of came up as the He's special teams guy, guy. Yeah. he is a him. tremendous linebacker. And also Justice Rogers, who is is very good in, in pass um, pass coverage. You know that second, third, and long linebacker. So they have a lot of options. They don't have the every down linebacker like uh, Peyton Palouer was. And I don't think there's going to be anyone like him where you know. He's the lead. He's leading the team in tackles. He's getting double-digit tackles every game. But in terms of the overall production of what Rodgers and Sherman can do, that Pelluer's spot is going to be more than filled, um, and might even be more versatile with the two playing that that spot. The WSU strong safety, uh, I believe, uh, Robert Taylor. Uh, is he somebody that can kind of fit that profile of uh, being a uh, like being the oldest player on the field and Rob, the most experienced? Rob Taylor. Rob Taylor graduated. Like, Rob Taylor, sorry, not Robert Taylor. Um, are you thinking of Skylar Thomas? No, no, the strong safety right now. Strong Jalen Thompson. Yeah, Jalen Thompson. Sorry, yeah, that's that's the play. Jalen Thompson to. is definitely. A, a, are you talking about like a leader? Yeah, yeah, like yeah, just being oh, the captain abs- of the defense and being absolutely. Being and and I think I think he has been that way for, for at least a year, years, yeah. at least a year now, at least all throughout, definitely throughout 2018. Um, you know, he is one of the older guys in in the backfield, and and he does. I mean, you can see it if you're watching practice. He's always talking to all the defensive backs, and he's a kind of guy who who is probably like that coach that's on the field. You know, mm-hmm. people are looking to Jalen Thompson for advice, and they welcome his input. So, yeah, definitely, he is one of the leaders of that defense. And Jalen Thompson is going to be uh, one of the one of the few positions on WC's defense is absolutely locked in right now at strong safety. Just like Miles Bryant has pretty much has a starting position locked in at UW right now, but apparently he's now playing more safety than he was um, mm-hmm. where his more regular position at nickel. I mean, is safety kind of his new permanent home now? I mean, there's no such thing as permanent in college football, you know, yeah. especially with uh, versatile players like himself. I mean, it seems like they want to give some of these like mm-hmm. younger corners on the roster more opportunities on the outside and put and then stick uh, Miles Bryant at safety now. Yeah, I, I think kind of what you were saying, which is important uh, or an important reason that Miles Bryant is moving to safety, is they have some guys at corner that they're really excited about 
And because of the versatility of not only Miles Bryant, but also Elijah Molden, they're able to take Elijah Molden and shift him inside and then take Miles Bryant. Which, by the way, what he was doing before anyways, he was backing yeah, exactly. up Elijah Molden at that nickel spot. Yeah, yeah. So it, it, that's a really natural move for him. And then Miles Bryant back to safety um, is a position where, I mean, he, he's been in the defense for long enough that I, I think they feel comfortable. And he, he, in previous spring and fall camps, he's at least taken reps at safety in the past. Uh, so it's not a completely new move for him. Um, but so, I mean, it, it's interesting. If you look at UW right now, they kind of have four pretty known quantities in Miles Bryant, Elijah Molden, Keith Taylor, and Brandon McKinney, right? Those guys all seem guaranteed to play, start somewhere. It's all about exactly. finding that fifth guy right now. Where, where, which corner safety nickel, like where should a fifth guy play basically? Yeah, for sure. And then, so I think for that reason, it's not necessarily a matter of them sticking miles bryant in his familiar nickel role and being like all right we need to find a safety that can step up right they're looking to get the fifth player on the field based like purely meritocracy who's the best player in the room uh and they've found especially with julius Irvin missing time right now with an injury uh that it's either kyler gordon or dominic hampton and neither of those guys are going to play safety or nickel so they have uh, yeah, they, they've done what they can. Right yeah, to make those guys uh, excel in a position that they're comfortable with and th- that they're best suited for. And because Miles Bryant is versatile enough to move back to safety, they're able to do it. And obviously, I don't know. I mean, Miles Bryant is kind of an unsung hero. I think in a lot of ways. I mean, he's a guy obviously walked on at UW at first. He's an unsung point. hero. In what way? Everybody talks great things about yeah, him. Yeah, well, he's of course, constantly I mean, featured just, on telecast. His and, career arc. His career arc of walking on. Right. I don't and know. He, I think the underdog thing has gone away. I think once he got, he got that scholarship in. Yeah. He declared for the draft last year and then he, he came back and is now being moved positions. You know, like he, he's kind of like, I don't know. There's always just kind of been a forgotten about, not necessarily forgotten about, but, and I don't want to say exploited either. Do you know what I mean? Does anyone know what I'm trying to say? Or am I, am I totally off base? No, I feel like I have an idea of what you're trying to say. Um, yeah. I mean, in I just, terms of the overall, like, if you look at his entire career, it aspects of it are unsung, as in hit the, where he came from. No one, like, no one talks about where Miles Bryant came from. I feel like is kind of what I what what I'm getting from this. Like, in the overall span of his career, there are parts and aspects of it that are unsung. He didn't just yeah. show up as the cornerstone of the UW. Death but everyone <laughs> treats it like that. I feel like the people treat Miles Bryant like his, he his, showed up as a stud, and the was coaches supposed always to be believed in him. They always, they one. always knew that mm-hmm. he was, he was always a chosen one, which is not even close to the case. Like he didn't just come in and jump forward NFL players. He was a preferred right walk on, correct? Yeah. Well, so the the story it was is a tough situation. Yeah. He had so he had. I mean, just the short story is he had offers from UW and UCLA. He waited until. Uh, the end of the winter to decide both had already then filled up basically all of their spots in mm-hmm. their secondary and neither had room. So mm. then, so he paid out of state tuition basically to come. Play. Yeah. Which is crazy. Cause I mean, he grew up in Pasadena. Uh, so yeah, yeah that's, th- that's always been interesting, but I mean, he wanted to be here and it's worked out. <laughs> and it, it worked yeah. out for him. I think there was another safety that Utah brought in this past week as a preferred walk on. He's from California as yeah, well. Nick I, I, I don't, yeah, he, but here's the thing like, they were never going to offer him a scholarship, anyways. No. And that's the type of kid that, man, four years of out of state tuition, like, it's going to be tough for him to earn a scholarship because they, they just don't, they don't see him as having that ceiling yet. And he wants to prove the coach, like not yeah. not prove the coach is wrong, but he wants to establish himself enough to get to that point where he can get a scholarship. But that's and that is not a Miles Bryant story of this new DB coming in right now. No, and it's interesting. I mean, and maybe What's this his guy name? does. I, I don't even remember Nick like, Duran. Yeah, yeah, that's right. yeah, yeah. He's a uh, kid. But like, so the Huskies have obviously with Miles Bryant and Ryan Bowman had some examples of walk-ons that have come on and done big things, but. I mean, kind of looking back on it, it's almost like kind of Luke Falk. Like it was an extraordinary circumstance. You know what I mean? Like yeah. these weren't just yeah. random walk and not that Nick Duran is, but like miles Bryant actually had an offer at one point. And, and you know, Ryan Bowman was a three-star recruit on 24 seven, had some offers and uh, like went to IMG. Like, it's not like this guy was just kind of some <laughs> random, uh, like, I don't know. Like he went to a Kinko 
3A high school. And actually, I mean, Ryan Bowman did for a couple of years, but you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. We swear that we weren't going to talk recruiting on this show, but this guy that we're about to talk about right now is exactly what this show is all about. I mean, he's a local guy that could potentially be playing for two local schools. Right now he's at Hawkinson. You know, he played for UW or WSU one day. He, so here's, here's the thing. He got an offer from UW uh, this past weekend, and mm-hmm. he seems like he's very leaning towards UW. It sounds like that's kind of his uh, dream school, yeah. as it is for a lot of local kids. Yeah. I mean, but Jackson, I'm sure the WSU program wants in on this guy. I'm sure that they have a lot to offer him. Absolutely. And I'm sure they have a... a magnificent pitch set up for, for I, I think right they met now. already i think they yeah talked. they know they have yeah, they have yeah. but i'm sh- you know when it comes down to is obviously uw is a great place to land if you're if you're a high school athlete like that's a very desirable spot as we've seen throughout ev- pretty much every recruiting cycle but at the end of the day i think mike leach steve spurrier jr can all go to him and say look yeah you can go to uw and yeah, you will probably have a great career there. No one's saying you won't. But if you want to continue what you've done at Hawkinson, talking thousand yard receiving years, oh, two, yeah, close to two thousand yards, sixty, seventy, eighty receptions, hundred plus. He had a hundred plus receptions last season. And, yeah, okay, and, and I, I can't. Touchdowns. <laughs> I don't know if they can guarantee that He's that kind monster. of production. <laughs> but they can say, listen, your freshman year, you will probably be playing. Holy you shit. will probably be catching footballs your freshman year, whereas you will Fair probably okay. redshirt at UW. You're going to be a serious piece to the puzzle at WSU, whereas you might be a contributing factor at UW. You're going to block a lot at UW. <laughs> yeah, and I think well, he's going to play for a receiver. For a receiver Whoa. like him, there's certainly a, a lot to like about WSU. Luke, are you telling me that Yuda wants Soy Racanelli, this guy that's literally a receiving machine to play defense? Yes, that's at least what I've heard. <laughs> that's insane. Yeah, you know, it's it, it's it's what they're into. I mean, gosh, I don't know. I mean, it it's happened. I mean, obviously, to different levels, but uh, like Byron Murphy was a really good receiver. Uh, Soy Racanelli. Or uh, Will Disley originally wanted to play yeah. tight end, but they had him play defensive line when he got here. And at least just from what I've heard, the Huskies want Sawyer Racanelli on the defensive side of the ball. See, I mean, that would be... He doesn't if, want to play defense. Well, you don't know that. No, he, but, said, that he said he'd rather no, he, play No, he did say he yeah, prefers okay. offense. But if, if, UW, if UW were able to pull him in, I mean, that would be the testament of how much of a powerhouse UW is Gosh. in the recruiting that and to stay a guy and, like yeah. him who has been such a decorated receiver for his four years at high school is willing to give all that up and go to the defensive side of the ball just to be a part of UW's program. And I mean that yeah. that is a great sign for UW and where they're at if yeah. that were able if they were able to swing that. Well, Obviously well, if he if they decide if he decides he doesn't want to go to UW, UW is still in a fantastic position regardless. But I mean if it yeah, were to I happen mean, that to way, me, that would speak volumes. Almost what it says, I think like it, it, it does, to me it shows how well they do in terms of relationships with recruiting because obviously mm-hmm. UW wouldn't want him at linebacker if they thought he had higher upside at receiver. But there's a lot of trust, I feel like, that has to go from a guy who's posted the ridiculous numbers that he's posted at receiver to be like, okay, I really do believe what you're telling me that my upside is higher at a position that... I mean, I, I guess just statistically throughout my career, I haven't produced at the same level as. Yeah. When you look at Racanelli's body type, really tall guy, really high center of gravity, 6'3". I mean, I see oh, wait, him more oh my as gosh. a receiver. T- whoa, 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 whoa. I'm totally wrong. I, I'm looking at this article about the offer, and apparently he was meeting with Junior Adams. So maybe I'm totally Well, he was wrong. meeting on both sides, and obviously Jimmy Lake's going to want him to play on defense, and Junior Adams is trying to get him in the receiver room. And like I said... Uh, like he said, honestly, he wants Sawyer Racanelli wants to play wide receiver. I think that's where he enjoys football the most. Now he's going to say the right thing, say that he's open to playing on both sides of the ball. He knows that he can play linebacker at the Pac-12, you know, d- Division One level. But I think he, I think that his ceiling is much higher receiver. I mean, you look at that body type, and I think I think he, I mean, two hundred plus pounds, you can definitely pack that on. But he just seems more like a an aggressive receiver type than he does like somebody that's going to make a bunch of tackles at linebacker, at least at the next level. 
Yeah, no, that's interesting. I mean, I think the the fact that he's wanted on both sides of the ball is kind of a testament to how versatile of an athlete he is. I just had literally never heard that the Huskies were interested in him at receiver, but I think interesting. Okay, which is interesting because I mean now it looks like there he is, and things have happened in the past. I mean, you've seen what's happened with Alex Cook, where he was told he was going to get a shot on the offensive side of the ball, and they ended up moving him. Uh, but I really think, especially like Jackson said, the way that Washington is emerging kind of as a powerhouse on the recruiting trail, they wouldn't just throw an offer at him at wide receiver just to do it. You know what I mean? Like they have mm-hmm. to really think that he, uh, especially being an in-state kid, is worth a scholarship spot on their team, which is, I mean is obvious in, in the fact that it's an offer, but I think some of college football has kind of lost that. But you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. This guy's going to finish with like 300 receptions in his high school football career. And as a receiver, I mean, sometimes like guys like uh, Roderick Fisher at uh, WSU, you played for kind of a weak school, East Valley, probably had like 75 career receptions. So 300, that is impressive. But he plays for a small school called Hawkinson. I personally don't have a problem with this because, I mean, if you look at the 2A conference in Washington, you got Tumwater, that gave us Kate Otten, uh, Archbishop Murphy, I mean, over at WSU, you got like, was it uh, Abe Lucas? He went to Abe Archbishop Lucas, Murphy. Yeah. Yeah. So these, 2A isn't like, like Hawkinson is a little bit of a, a cow town, a little bit kind of out on the countryside, but the level of competition he faces, I mean, he's facing like the Lindens and the Fifes and, you know, the good, good, good mid-sized schools that you want to just blow past just because they're too a, a competition. I'm holding back a sigh right now, but... Do you, yeah. do you, do you wish that you could just <sighs> overlook him because of his uh, competition? No, I don't. I think he's fine. I think he's proven himself to be a, an, a very good athlete. <laughs> I just don't think using... Well, he's playing 2A level football as a reason to justify that he is in fact a great athlete. Um, I I'm think trying there are, to defend him. there I'm are to other, him right now. Yeah, I, but I feel like you're really defending Hawkinson right now. <laughs> I don't feel like you're really <laughs> Look, defending Sawyer. No, and I get that. I think it's fine. I think what you're doing is in a sense admirable, but I think there are, you could definitely point to a lot of other things that make Sawyer like that justify Sawyer Racknelli's status other than, the school he plays. Oh for. no, he's got a lot. Th- he's got a lot of good things going for him right now. Yeah. Uh, another player that has a lot of good things going for him right now is Andre Dillard. He's actually going to be at the NFL draft yes. in Nashville. Now, I've always considered Andre Dillard kind of a kind of a little bit. Quite guy in high school. I want to say. I want to say like. I, I think I need to rephrase this. He's a little reserved. He does like to keep to himself. Yes. But I think he knows what his worth is. I think he knows how valuable he Absolutely. is. Absolutely. Um, I don't think he's afraid of the spotlight. And when his name is called in front of millions of people, I don't think he's going to be overwhelmed. I think he's past that kind of like kind of almost more childish version of himself. I think he's grown as and matured over the last couple of years. Well, yes. I mean, obviously that that is true. And I think socially he has opened up since since high school and, and you know, I have I've had my in, encounters with him in high school as well as college and definitely I can tell it's that he day. has he has opened up a ton. But um he's I, I think at his heart he is still more reserved than he is open. He's you know, he's friendly and he's more open with the people that he is he knows and he's comfortable. Definitely. With. He has a close friend group for sure. He has a Yeah, clo- but that that's not to say I mean I think, you know, if we're talking about like tenth, eleventh grade Andre this is a guy who would be giving one word responses to Still, like yeah. his best friends. Whereas yeah. now like he's a colorful person, um, Still loves video games just as much as he did. And and by the way, the just because you like video games doesn't mean that you're you're doesn't kind mean of a, you're an yes, outcast. You're like antisocial or yeah. anything. Yeah, yeah. No, like so said, we like, know this. We he, know this. He's when he gets uh when he when he gets on that stage, he's gonna have a big smile on his face, he's gonna have a nice haircut like he did at the combine. All these kids growing these like freaking awesome hairdos right before I don't know how they I am, grow their hair yes. that fast. My I am most curious to know what he wears, what his wardrobe will be. Is he no, going he, to? He will pull off something nice. That's that's what I'm saying. Like, well, he, I know he's he, going to wear something nice, but I'm well, just no, saying I mean, like something colorful. Is he like, going to make matches. a? I want to. Uh, is he going to make a fashion? He's not going to be Andrew Luck. He's not. He's, he's not going to. He's not going to show up there in like the the no. corporate drone look. Well, I, you know, I, I like. I think he's going to be looking. He's going to be looking sharp, regardless. But is he going to make a fashion statement, or is he going to look? Li- is he going to fit in? Is he going to, you know, 
blend in with what everyone else is wearing. I'm that's what I'm curious to know. You know, when you're the number one rated at least pass blocking left tackle in the draft, these are the things that you're allowed to worry about. And well one thing that I'm like kind of wondering right now, and I think that when he gets drafted, there's going to be cheers. Cause I don't know. I don't think a left tackle is going to get booed when he steps on a stage. When like when his name was I, announced I with depends. the seventh when he gets announced with the sixteenth overall pick, like if he goes at number seven That'll piss some people off, probably. Like, I think there's like some mock drafts having him going in the top ten, because he, like, we know him, but a lot of the country doesn't really know him. They know who, they know well, who. Yeah, uh, that's true. But like, I think Askins also is. at this at the same time, like, on a national level, he, he his notoriety has shot up so much in in kind of this draft, you know, definitely. the draft preparation process. Like, he is definitely becoming a name that people that people know. You know, when you're when you're going to be a first round draft pick, like you're not catching anyone off guard, I guess is what I'm trying to say. I think it really more depends on like what team he gets drafted by. There's some fan bases that just seem to boo whatever pick they get, (laughs) no matter what. Like it's you're going to get booed. Yeah. If you're getting drafted by the Jets, you're going to get booed unless you're like unless you're like Kyler Murray, which is not going to happen. Like (laughs) like. You're just going to get booed. So I don't know. It definitely, I feel like it depends, but I would put it on a low probability that he would get booed by a team. Cause I feel like, you know, everyone loves a, 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 a high upside left tackle. Left tackle. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like who it's, doesn't, it's who fun. doesn't like that? It, you know? It's it's the only sexy position. It's like, if you drop the center, like there we that. go. <laughs> oh, I was waiting for someone to drop a sexy. There we go. I was, I was actually oh, going, no, I was going gonna... <laughs> to drop it. Um, much more dramatically when we were talking about Peyton Pluer, but I, I, I held back. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, adjectives. Gotta I'm pick, glad. Pick yeah, spot, I'm glad. Yeah. I'm glad you did it. I think we're. I think we're three weeks running. Maybe four. I can't. Yeah, I'd have to go listen back. Football but. and sexy go hand in hand. Right. <laughs> yes. Fo- really, really more football or sexy and Washington football crunch go hand in hand. Oh I think yeah, that's really a more accurate way to describe it. Well, going off that word that we love so much, uh, Gage Gubrud is seeing increased reps for WSU. Now, he's not... If you're going to, you know, the Coug weekend event, he's not going to be playing quarterback. You're stuck watching freaking Tinsley out there. And, uh, and, and like... Wow. Well, that, that, was not, that was not a great way to sell it. I think that's still going to be a good time watching Gordon, Tinsley, uh, Cooper. I, I want to know who the backup is, too. So, Gage Grubrud, he's, he's competing more. I mean, is he even wearing the ankle braces anymore? How healthy is this Yeah, guy? no, I think he has, like, you know... But he's wearing a brace, but like this is your classic like you know buying a buying a brace at like Dick's. Like it's not like anything that's like massive or you don't, anything. You it's don't, like it's like over the counter. It's, it's like your standard ankle brace at, over a cleat. Yeah, some people not, wear ankle braces just for the hell of it. Just because it, it makes true. them feel yeah. better. Yeah, yeah. And I wouldn't be surprised if he did that this season. You know, just to just to for peace of mind maybe. Um, but he is you know taking those steps. You still see disc. I mean, not necessarily discomfort, but maybe it's like not a lack of confidence when he makes when he plants on that foot. Like he's not quite confident in in his ankle yet. So you can still definitely see where the where the injury is lingering, but certainly huge strides. And I will admit, I was a, I was a bit of a pessimist uh, at the beginning of camp. And it turns out that his his uh, recovery. You gave a worst case scenario. We're not going to hold it against yeah. you when he said that he yeah. could need surgery because this is that's, true. that that is a reality. Like that, yeah, like sometimes, yeah. sometimes I don't think I, I don't think I was wrong for being a pessimist, but I will acknowledge that my my pessimism was wrong. Gage Gruber coming up this fall is probably going to see his most opportunities to become the starting quarterback. Yeah. Right now, it's just kind of a teaser. Uh, I wish we had mentioned this last week, but we're going to bring it up right now. A former WSU quarterback, Connor Neville. I mean, God, thank God, thank goodness he's out of here. Yeah. That would make things even more confusing. So he departed the program in March, uh, and yeah. he is now headed to Last Chance University, also yeah. known as Eastern Mississippi College. Whoa. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. All right. EMC, they graduated both of their quarterbacks last year. And that's not saying much because they were sophomores, so they had to get the hell out of there. You only mm-hmm. get two years there. But, I mean, Connor Neville... That probably went into his decision, knowing that there's an open spot at quarterback next year yeah. uh, at this freaking awesome school. I mean, if he wants to go Hollywood after college football, he went to the right school for that. Yeah. Well, see, here's here's the thing. And listen, I, I don't want anyone to think that I, I don't like Connor Neville 
or that I think he is arrogant or anything like that. I, I wish this kid the best in, in wherever he goes after Last Chance You and everything. But I will say I don't know if going to Last Chance You and being on TV was his best decision. But he's think, not going to be on TV. I think they, they stopped doing that show. Oh, really? No, they went to, I think they went to Independence in oh. Kansas. Oh, oh, he's, no, so, no, okay. no, oh, no, so he's not Better going Devil's to be, not gonna be on, on Netflix. Last no. Oh, okay. That well, that was that was oh that I mistook that then. Um, Dude, there's no way anybody would care about that show if it was still running. People still would be watching that if it was still. What are you talking about? Dude, no one cares about Last Chance. Such, people like Last Chance. A, yeah, yeah, we like Last Chance. Dude, the 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 audience. Are people like us, like eighteen to twenty-four year olds that yeah, like football? There's a market for it. Is, yeah. Are you saying Last Chance U is no longer? Uh, I I know they had three seasons, and I don't know, Luke. Have you heard anything about it recently? No, to be honest, I actually never really got into it, so I haven't followed it. Yeah, I know. I never. I would. I will say, I never well, really thing, got into it. If you want to get into but... it, it's only six episodes per season, so yeah. It's. I mean, and they're like forty-five minutes to an hour long. I mean, it's and and it. Guys, it's good. It like it, it, it's if it, we are meant to watch that show, it's meant for people. That are okay. uh, are and people that like you know college football podcasts like guys that are listening right now. I mean that's that's what it's meant for. But no, Connor Neville will not be a a reality television star. And he will not. That, be okay, so that that spotlight. that definitely changes things up a little bit because I because when the way, I EMC heard about is this, a good school. Eastern Mississippi has a proven track record of sending guys to the the you know SEC and and Power Five. Like that's what it's meant for. It's a good it's a good place for him to be at if yeah. you want if you're talking junior college football for sure. Okay, and and but. Let me let me illustrate what I was trying to say here is why I, I this this could be a great situation for him that he's joining a you know a not publicized but highly competitive junior college because my interpretation of Connor Neville is even when you know it was clear he was not the guy at WSU and, and you know I think when he joined as a when he got here as a freshman he kind of assumed that he would be the guy. But that's really just not how it works. You well, yeah, kinda... he's like a four-star commit. I mean, I'm sure well, Keenan yeah. Cooper thinks he's going to be the guy. I'm sure Gunnar Cruz thinks that he's going to be the next well, that Yeah, quarterback. that thinks he's going to be the guy. But I think Connor Neville kind of thought he was the guy when <laughs> like, he well, got there. Even when yeah. Gardner Minshew was there, he's like... Yeah, and, <laughs> you know, well, even before but even before Gardner and, and, and like his true freshman year, he kind of thought he was the guy. And that's really not going to get you very far in Mike Leach's book, um, which is probably what's contributed to setting him back and and really staying out of the quarterback race. Because I really don't think Connor Neville would be competing. And obviously, because he got with, um, well, his transfer, like was it a run out or run off, whatever it was, that he essentially got ran out, that there wasn't a spot for him, um, that he was not going to be in the quarterback battle. But my my point was, I don't think going to somewhere where, where that was being publicized Would help was going all? to be help him. I think him going somewhere, focusing on himself and not worrying about being in anyone's and being in the public eye would have been fantastic for him. Kind should, of a, I'm doing this for myself and no one else. He should have gone to a cornfield in Oklahoma or something. Yeah, something but like I mean, no, I, I feel like now like that, that now with knowing that he's not going to be on Last Chance U and he's going to a highly competitive junior college, I think that's good for him because a, he's going to run into similar competition. You know, does yeah, it's who knows? There, yeah. Does if if he thinks he's going to be walking in there and and has a starting job, he is Hell mistaken. No. Hell no, he is no. definitely mistaken. Especially it's with going no be, starting quarterback right now. I mean, there's a lot of people coming in right yeah. now. Yeah, so I mean, out. he's going to have to go and fight and earn a job, and we'll see what happens there. I'm, I'm excited to see what happens. The, like it's obviously oftentimes different examples that end up kind of yielding this or different situations, but there are plenty of examples of quarterbacks who have gone to a school in one way or another learned they're kind of not invincible. Gone to a junior college, came back and have been excellent. So yeah, and it, hopefully I've, that is the progression. Yeah, so that I, Connor the, takes and like obviously, and this is nothing about his like individual personality or, or who he is off the field but at least on the field there's probably a lesson to be learned about coming in and like the way that you articulated mm-hmm. thinking that he's the guy and if he's learned that lesson i think there's no doubting kind of the upside that he has just in terms of like a, like just from a talent standpoint yeah 
Yeah, well, he, he better right. learn his lesson quick because he's going into his redshirt sophomore year right now. So I mean, it's got. I mean, it's got to happen. Like ideally, after this year, he would transfer out. Otherwise, he's looking at one year of eligibility once he finally leaves the junior college scene and goes to a four-year program as a fifth-year senior to potentially start. You know, on an, on a bigger stage, right? Because he's he's got two years here and he's already almost done with his college career. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. It's You're a gamble. Right. He better. <laughs> he, he better be good. So. Uh, you know, something that I, I'm really surprised, because here's the thing, when Mike Leach's Insurgent Warfare class was announced, it became a freaking national storyline. Like, the internet reaction, the mm. amount of like like outlets that wanted to hear how this was going to happen, is it going to happen? But now, like, I think the atmosphere in the classroom, there's not a whole lot of buzz. I'm just going to say it. No, I don't think that, not. I don't think people care that much and now here's that the it's happening. Here's the grievance that I take. And, and you're, you're spot on with this. According to my the research that I have done, you are absolutely right that the WSU campus and the students really did not care. And, and uh, you guys might be shocked to know this. I don't know if I've told you this. But um, so I, you know... I was rejected from the class, which I, I was, I'm not going to lie. I was bitter about, I was not happy about, <laughs> but because of my employment by Coog fan, I partly expected that, yeah. but I also was curious to know how many kids also were rejected. Was I one of few? Was I one of hundreds? Was I one of thousands? And if can you I had guess? to guess, yeah, okay, good. Can, I, I, I would like you to guess how many were rejected, including Wait, myself. What's the enrollment at Washington State? 20,000, give or take. I'm going to go with 7,000. Wait, what? No. Wow. I, can I put my bid? <laughs> wow. Can I put my bid? Oh, That's my insane. God. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go less than 300 applied for this class. Okay. Okay. Dude, it's such a thing. Like, I can <laughs> just blow okay. that out of the water. Like, do, do, you guys, do, you guys want it? do you guys want to know well, how many, explain why I how think many were rejected? I think it's less than 300 because I can only imagine a frat house uh, you know, a, a, like four or five guys around a table going, "Bro, we got to do this." Like, yeah, yeah, but that, yeah, but keep in mind that's only fifty. Like I think W or Greek life right. is about and accounts for about less, forty to fifty percent. Say less than three hundred people. Because so I yeah, think but I, that, but still, that's only ten thousand students. There's still another ten thousand that you're right. not accounting for that are out of Greek life. And, Wait, so you say there's ten thousand in Greek life, right? There's so, ten thousand in Greek life. There's ten thousand that aren't. So, what so I'm the, the stereo, like, the harsh stereotype that you're putting upon the Greek life uh, <laughs> is only. Can only be applied to ten thousand. Right. So if there's four or five people per house doing that whole like cult, like oh let's do this class, waka waka, and mm-hmm. and then and, and you multiply that by I don't know how many houses are there, but uh, so I basically based off that logic of four or five people per house multiplied by a couple dozen houses, I, I came up with less than three hundred, and, and then you include okay. some of the people in the uh, dorms and stuff like that. So. Okay. Would you guys like to know how many kids were rejected? How many WCU students were rejected from yes. this class? I want to know how many applied. Just like, tell yeah, me, did I embarrass myself? And you, well, oh, you, you, you both actually embarrassed. Well, actually, no, no, Micah, you did not embarrass yourself. <laughs> but it. you're going to be, you're going to be blown away by this number because Micah it is way smaller than you thought, than what? you even anticipated. What? Okay, give another guess. Give another guess, but knowing that it's less than three hundred. Okay, I'm, eighty. <laughs> I can't, I, I'll go. I'll, yeah, eighty. What the hell? Why not? Somewhere around there. Three. No way. Three students no were way. rejected. Oh, three students were rejected. And guess how many applied? Probably like forty-six. Forty. Yeah, dude. Jackson, and this is you got these numbers. These numbers are according to the Office of Academic Outreach yeah, that, and Innovation. That, that shit's public record. Like, and it, yeah, I mean, they were they were very pleased. And the thing is. I thought they made a mistake. I was like, <laughs> "You mu- no, no, no. You misunderstood me. You thought I was asking for how many students were going to be accepted, which was advertised as 40. So you, there's clearly a misunderstanding here when you said that only 40 applied. And I was given another response, and they doubled down. They said, no, 40 applied. And it what they didn't say 40 were going to be accepted. They said up to 40 would be accepted. And 37 kids were accepted into the class. So I was one of three kids to be rejected. And furthermore, furthermore, I was not just rejected. Mike Leach and Michael Bumgarner said, no, 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 no. An empty seat is better than a seat filled by Jackson Gardner. Wait, who because there that? was room. There was room for me. Wait, they were going to take that? up to 40. No, they didn't actually. They didn't actually say that. But essentially, by rejecting me, they said this because thirty-seven were accepted. They would take up to forty, 
and they rejected three. Okay, so here's yeah, you, you cannot. Ta- I was just gonna say you cannot deny that that was personal. Is the conclusion? That no, was absolutely. There's, yeah. there's, it's, un, it's undeniably personal. Jackson, which hey, which you, I'm, I'm. Hey, there's a certain extent that I'm proud of. Yeah, I was gonna say you can go to sleep knowing that your name means something to Mike Leach. That's a fact. Absolutely. That is a fact. And guess what? Being rejected is more exclusive, almost 10 times as exclusive <laughs> as actually being accepted into the class. So what do you think about that, Mike well, Leach? Considering, considering what do you think about else that? Got in. Considering everyone yeah. else got in. Like. Everyone else got in. There was no one. Do, well, no, not everyone. Know? Two other kids were. were right. Which, well, but right, that right. makes me well, feel who, bad. Who were because the other think two about that. Well, I don't know. And I've been looking for them. I've been looking <laughs> high and low to find these two other kids. But here's my theory. Here's my theory. Because I know, and listen, I'll never be able to prove it was personal, but I know it was personal. And Goodness gracious. <laughs> and the thing is, I see, I think those two other people were rejected as collateral damage for my rejection. Because think about it. They couldn't just reject me. <laughs> oh, I couldn't man. be the only rejection. <laughs> Therefore, they had to reject two other two other kids and they just got caught in the collateral yeah, damage they want you stuck in this situation where you don't know who the other two students are they want you to like they like, i just think <laughs> they wanted to make a case so that if if i were ever to find out i don't even think they thought i would look this far in <laughs> but i did and now that i'm in the situation well well who are these other two kids why did they get you know they can't hey. say it was personal we just didn't want you yeah, and this is all my theory. I have no proof. But of Jackson, this. you know well, why they don't want you, right? You you work for the absolutely. You you work for the media. I know. Yeah. No, oh, but they let sure. they let it. They they they, have a they sign accepted. In there that says no. It's like literally they it. let um they they accepted a Daily Evergreen reporter. So <laughs> they, oh, and they they have let with the they have let conspiracies. <laughs> <laughs> but they have let the ESPN sit on a class. They have let the Athletics sit on a class. So clearly, it's not against the media they will let media members into the Poor class you, and, and the thing is your... they wanted they wanted the public publicity that, but it just didn't connect like it didn't this really i really think that the entire idea of this class backfired in their faces yeah well you read you read your your statements or your your answers to the questions and there's no way that there were 30 like that all 37 <laughs> accepted people wrote better responses than you did there's just no, i'm no i'm chance. no and and you can go if you're a subscriber to the athletic you can go read Chantel Jennings story where they pull an excerpt from one of the uh the um, <laughs> applications and it's the question of would the would the uh the wishbone work in the NFL and listen I'm not I don't mean to disrespect the student who wrote that but Mine was ten times better, and there I I would uh, yeah. I would argue that until the day I die that mine was twice as nuanced, um, and, and I really felt like I knew what I was talking about, and I don't think Mike Leach would deny that, and but hey, there's nothing I can do. You know all you need to know about insurgent warfare and the air. Yeah, but here's the thing, and here's what kind of frustrates me, is that no one has told the story, that no one. And I, the th- I'm in a troubling position because if I tell the story, I look like the yeah, bitter berry. Like, you look like a bitter piece who, of shit. <laughs> yeah, who just who's just mad because I was one of three kids that was rejected. So I can't be the one to tell the story, and no one else will. No one else will tell how the story. You, how have you not brought this up yet? I, I, I have reached out to a lot of people. <laughs> I have reached out to big media companies. I Spokesman have reached out to small media companies, and <laughs> really? no one cares that is no one cares that is it's just it's it's mind-blowing to me honestly have you considered this might be a little ridiculous and kind of a waste of time have you like maybe a a personality as ridiculous as like a softy would be willing to take this extra opportunity i would never take a jab i would never i know you wouldn't but it might be worth it to tell your story (laughs) (laughs) i would never i would never do it I, wow. I I could never strong I could never let me come. Yes, I, I'm very strong in my conviction. All right, Jackson, this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna pull this clip and post it on YouTube. Title it Jackson Garner's conspiracy on insurgent warfare, and that will be a way for you to tell your story. I, I many hope, people that want to. I hope, it. dude. I just don't know if people are interested in hearing my story. Um, they're gonna say it sounds like a you problem. Or it sounds like a it sounds yeah, like a personal yeah, problem. Yeah, I know. That's the thing. I just I. 
And but but if why don't you look in the mirror, Jack? The thing is, the thing is, if I could find these other two, I could tell this story. If I could find these other two kids, I could tell it through their lens, through their eyes. You know what would happen? You would find out his other two people are even bigger, like pieces of crap than you are when it comes to maybe your like, relationship, <laughs> and that maybe you were the one that was like the decoy for those guys. Wow, not that would class. be that and would be a just, huge plot twist. Were, were, that would be that would be unbelievable. You were just and randomly I would love selected. That. At that, that point, I would love better. It. Honestly, I love I love the situation that I'm. I I would rather knowing what I know now. I would rather have been rejected than accepted into the class. <laughs> That's honestly where I stand with it right now. And, you know, there's nothing I can do about it. I I, I, I just don't know. I don't know. We're going to go from one controversy to another controversy, and that is Chris Peterson's view on the spring game, basically saying that he doesn't want any tackling, he doesn't care if the offense scores touchdowns. And I'm just paraphrasing right now, but let's mm-hmm. be honest. He, does, he just wants a practice, and if fans want to come, that's great. If they want to watch it on TV... I don't. It's not even on TV. I don't even think you can watch this crap on uh, Pac-12 Network. No, I mean, it's funny, Coach. This is. It's just the most Coach Peterson thing ever. And man, I, I just don't even know where to begin on it. Like, obviously, it works for him, and and they're glad. It, to me, it just shows that they're glad. You don't to even do know if it works. They, it's it's it, it's, like, it's not even a matter if it works or not. Well, I I just think they don't see the benefit in having people tackle in spring when a foot like they won't play a football game for four months you know what i mean like i I just think to them it's like why would we run the risk of someone getting injured uh when we can just basically give people an opportunity to watch a practice if they want (laughs) you know like it it, for him the fanfare is not a high enough reward for the risk. it's not okay yeah that's what i think like obviously he wants to have seventy thousand fans going crazy come august september when they're playing home games and then later into pac-12 play obviously but uh like when it's spring to him i don't think it matters if only i don't know the local parents come and watch their kids get some reps in like a glorified seven on seven or no contact 11 on 11 uh because for him it just i don't know i just think it's it's too risky of an entity to do just a full blown scrimmage where people are trying to pound each other. Uh, the, I mean, honestly, I think another reason for it is after this long of practicing without hitting, I think people are itching to just rip some heads off. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think he's trying to avoid that as much as he can. Hey, look, I think there's a way to do full tackle and not rip people's heads off. There's ways the running back goes down easy. Um, you don't obviously don't freaking touch the quarterback. And if a wide receiver comes over the middle and he gets tackled, just go for his legs and 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 don't uh, don't you know go don't go for the CTE shot or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. And here's the thing, man. Like as a player, you need something to keep you driven, like keep you wanting to keep working hard throughout spring ball, knowing that there's a light at the end of the tunnel where you get to perform in front of tens 